0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Hey
1: everybody, this episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you in part by our friends at Ray Allen Manufacturing. Everything you need for dogs, whether it's working dogs, pet dogs, sport, anything, RayAllen.com, the best in the business. Uh, Check them out. We got a discount code, Working Dog Radio, for 10% off.
2: Another one of our favorite partnerships is with the one and only DogTra. These guys are producing some amazing tools in the dog training world. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball training, it was electronics, and it goes on dogs. Go to DogTra. They're revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. Head them up at dogtra.com. Use the discount code WDR10
1: for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. The biggest and baddest. Conference in K9 anywhere in the United States is HITS. Every year, each and every year, hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of attendees, the best instructors around. It got moved because of COVID. Um, it's going to be July 7th through the 9th in 2021. Check it out. HITS, letter K number 9.net to get signed up. You can't go wrong. HITSK9.net. Let's see you there next year.
2: Yeah, speaking of some guys that are going to be there next year, the Kinetic Dog Food guys. Fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need high-quality food to give them the energy and the nutrients that, require they, that they require for the work that we ask them to do. Kinetic Dog Food is a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is specifically made for working and sporting dogs. Be sure to hit them up at
1: KineticDogFood.com. Easily, hands down, the best product we've ever represented on this podcast is quick Turn by vet care ted and i use it in the kennel on our dogs when they get goofy injuries and ourselves when we also get goofy in- injuries they have a discount code for us one zero wdr for 10 percent off your first order check them out at vetcare.us
2: all right we are back working dog radio broadcasting the bite uh i am Ted summers from a wintry tulsa oklahoma and with me, as always, from Canton, Ohio, is Eric Stambro from uh, Canton, Ohio. Eric, what's
1: up? I don't, well, you probably can't see. There's a blizzard. We are in the middle of a Ooh. first blizzard of the sea, of the year. Nope. Uh, so, yeah, it's I'm not going nowhere. Hence, <laughs> oh, hold on, hence. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: I got mine too. So I got my fancy working Dr. goods cup. Yeah, mine's uh, nice.
1: from the police department when I worked there. See that? Look at that. Excellent. Uh, what do you got going on? Uh, handler school same time as you. Um, my guys are going to test the eighth of January, I think. Um, I got to tell you though, man. The uh, so I, I said on the last episode that uh, i was switching to two dogs that were trained for right-handed handlers. Oh. The new handlers are left-handed. <laughs> are you told me about that? <clears throat> the one of them. The one of them is killing it. Um, but he'd been on the road for like three years. He got a new handler. Uh, the other one. I don't know man I, um, him it's not gelling him and that kid and uh, I don't like it. I may I may end up swapping him out for a dog that's a little more green that hasn't I haven't really started obedience on um, and then wait to see because the agency got two dogs wait to see if the yeah. next one's a right handed and flip him back he's, he's totally the dog is starting to um, just stop working and stare at the kid because you know he's a green handler bumblefucking the leash to begin with. But not trying to bite him. <laughs> he he's he has, but um he's yes. tried anyways. But but <laughs> the dog is and he's super handler focused. So if things get weird, like he gets stressed out and things get weird, he just stops and he just gives he just looks at you. Like oh, oh I'm done. And, and then the uh, handler looks at him and he's they're both looking at each other like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. So the dog's <laughs> he either way, he's rocking the um he's rocking the bite work because that don't matter. He's rocking the, uh, the tracking, um, the obedience actually, it's not too bad. It's the detection, mm. switching the direction and, uh, and a couple other things. And it's, I'm super frustrated cause it's a really
2: nice dog. We, uh, I got the handler school going on now with that kid from Indiana, uh, Chris, um, and you know, he's part of that central Indiana canine <laughs> association group with Kyle, and his dog his, and thankfully he was telling me he was like, some of those dogs in this group have problem, they don't problem, but they just have to cap those dogs a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And this dog, his dog is no different. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like we have we're pretty much the entire time he's here. he does not need any help biting people. and he is uh, we're working on control, 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 control. Chris is already an experienced uh, bomb handler. Uh, he switched um, sides. Now he's going to do uh, narcotics and apprehension. So he's never handled a bite dog or a tracking dog. So all that's new to him, but he's a great detection handler already. So I told him, I was like, I ain't worried about that shit. You're going to be able to certify. That's fine. That's a problem. It's no big deal. But, you know, we're working on tracking, working. And because he understands change of behavior, like the the tracking has gone fairly quick. Like we're already aging at like 30 and 40 minutes now. So, I mean, he's rock and rolling. So I think by the, uh, we're going to, he's actually going to come to our HRD and, Muskogee, Oklahoma um, in January, uh, which this will go up before that. Um, it's kind of like his graduation week thing. So he's going to come and be there cool. with me. But yeah, so it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good team. He's going to go back to Indiana and find
1: shitheads and find drugs. It's interesting how you put an experienced bomb handler like, oh shit. Oh, oh
3: shit, 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 <laughs> shit, shit, shit.
1: We, Dude, real, real quick, when I was my rookie year, we had a guy on the police department, was an old dude. They found a live grenade and he carried it back in his lap. Back. He just out oh, "Fuck it, I'll take it." And he put it in his lap and drove back. What? Yeah, drove back to the headquarters. What the fuck he gets is there? Car? He get yeah, in his in his nuts. He's just sitting uh, in his lap. That's where it belongs. He, he gets there. They called the a bomb squad. The bomb squad goes, "You did what?" Yeah, like, get my face. <laughs> it, where, where is it? <laughs> well, oh, it's here on my desk. Get it the fuck out of there. So he goes. He takes a throws a bomb blanket on top of it, and that no one even knew we had. Uh, he found it in the back. Puts a bomb blanket <laughs> on. They're like, "Yeah, don't do that either." Now we have to move it. But anyways, that's my my story <laughs> of uh experienced bomb handler. <laughs> <laughs> so who do we got uh, coming on today? So, so
2: we've wanted to do one of these for a while, and you know, it always pops up in like National Geographic and other places that are like wildlife conservation things, not in the United States, because it's a different deal altogether. So um it, we've had trouble finding somebody that can talk one intelligently about this stuff and two um is able to talk about it because of kind of the sensitive nature that they um nature of stuff that they do and who they deal with and having to deal with being an ngo over there and everything else so um tonight uh we have from working dogs for conservation uh pete capolillo uh pete how are you i'm great
0: thanks for having me i'm
2: i know you told me how to pronounce your name but i'm sure I. he's ted totally, so i yeah I'd, you okay. crushed it yeah well stick to i'm used to yelling you know, one syllable one or two syllable names <laughs> at dogs so when yeah, i it's like yeah. <laughs> I, Perfect. Uh, my bad so how did we get good. uh to where we're at today so explain to us a little bit what um working on for conservation is and then um kind of talk about how we you got involved and how we got to this point
0: yeah well, um, thanks for having us. We're I, we're a we're a nonprofit uh, organization. We work all over the world, and um, you know, for most of our history, we've we've done um, uh, what we call now ecological monitoring. <clears throat> so using using detection dogs to find mostly scat, you know, turds, <laughs> and yes. um, and that all all of that grew out of of um, when it became possible to get DNA from scat and and so then you could you could start identifying species and and stuff like that now you know back when i started as a as a conservationist um we used to it it was expensive and it and it took a long time and it wasn't very reliable to identify scats to species because we would use stomach acid and chemistry and all sorts of stuff like that and and then dna made it possible to do that with certainty um just to species back then and nowadays, we can tell species, individuals, what population they come from. We get hormones. We get all sorts of stuff from scat. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, the joke I always tell is that, you know, the value of a turd just keeps going up and up. And so <laughs> everybody wants to use dogs to find more of those. So right. for 20 years, we've been doing that. We still we still do a lot of that. Um, but as that, uh, you know, we started with the easy targets like like bear scat, you know, and, and um, you know, it's, it's big, it's stinky. There's lots of it. It's easy to find. Detection distances are long and all of that. As we moved, as the the field kind of developed, we started doing more and more difficult targets and um, you know, layer onto this in the 2000s, the, the global trafficking of wildlife really kicked in. And a lot of that was driven by by China because China, there's huge demand for it there. But as China developed the middle class and people had a lot of money and China was doing international development all over the world, that's when it really started um, the ivory trade. But, you know, rhino horn, live animals, all sorts of other stuff, plants. Oh, yeah. Um, Tiger started, penis. Everything. You name it. Yes. You name it. It all started going to Southeast Asia for, for you know, and, and that's a whole nother story is how... How all the uses diversified, and everything, but for a number of years we kind of resisted. We said, well, we're not a law enforcement aid you know organization we don't do that we don't have the authority to do that and And what we realized was a lot of um, law enforcement um, they they were slow to pick it up because wildlife targets are weird and they're 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 variable and whatnot so we finally um, we dipped a toe in the water in um, 2013, 2014, <clears throat> when we took some dogs to Zambia to train them on wire snares. And we had been doing lion, leopard, cheetah, wild dog work there. And our collaborator there from the, it's an organization called Conservation South Luangwa. Her name's Rachel McRobb. She's amazing. She said, look, this is great. It's great to have all this data, but, um, but we're, we're in the middle of a, of a snaring crisis. And um, everybody is, is um, they're stealing wire from solar panels, from electrical wires, whatever, to make snares. You think these dogs could find snares? And Megan Parker, who's one of our founders, she said, um, you know, let's try. And she's she's great, she's fearless, she'll try anything. And so we started training dogs on wire snares. And it turns out they can, they can find them. And that was the beginning of the law enforcement project there. And, and it was um, the next year we took the first two conservation dogs into Zambia. Um, and now we've got 14 dogs on the ground in Africa. Um, and that program, and lots of others, we're not the only ones doing this, obviously. Um, and there are over 200 dogs in the hand network throughout Africa who are doing um, similar work. And it's all over, the, all over the map. So people, we've got a lot of dogs who inspect vehicles, um, uh, guns, ammunition, um, going into national parks bushmeat, ivory, rhino horn, illegal timber, all sorts of stuff, you know, coming out. Um, and and then we also do um, some work, we call it biosecurity and in invasive species. So um, things like, um, uh, you know, invasive weeds, invasive ants, uh, fish, invasive fish in streams, you know, we demonstrated that they can discriminate to species, um, you know, fish in a free flowing stream, stuff like that. So It's um, it it has diversified a whole bunch, you know, uh, throughout the years. And um, and what what I often say is, you know, the 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 wildlife trafficking stuff is it's a big deal and um, we're making progress on on limiting the ivory trade. But in fact, you know, ivory is just one of literally hundreds of species that gets trafficked all over the world, even even here in this country. So, you know, a lot of people think of it as stuff starts in Africa and it goes to Asia. But oh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that, that comes from this country and goes to Asia and even gets trafficked within the United States. Um, and a lot of it just happens right under our noses. So there's a lot of different work to do. And, and you know, we're trying to ramp up and keep up with it. And we work, we do, we're involved now with mm-hmm. law enforcement um, in eight different countries and, and now 31 states here um in 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 the u.s
2: wow who's running those dogs in the u.s is it a law enforcement agency or is it a NGO? it's
0: it's state wildlife agencies okay, yeah state, are the 30 okay. are the 31 states yeah so and those are wildlife. mostly law enforcement
2: yeah. yeah wildlife guys are not guys you want to mess with talk about unlimited jurisdiction <laughs> them boys don't know what borders look like <laughs> how many fish You're you exactly got right. uh, yeah. yeah believe me coming from oklahoma uh, I mean, I don't hunt, but not everyone around me does. And those are right. some of the most feared people in the state. They don't <laughs> care about the FBI, but wildlife guys, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so I can, well, I can, it, I can tell ahead. that this episode, this interview, is going to really piss me off, and then also, you know, I'm going to feel really good about some things. So, um, okay. n- not you really pissing me off, just That's the okay. uh, the topic. So, um, yeah. couple th- couple questions I had real quick based on that. Yeah. Um. One, why are snares, is that for elephants and rhinos or what are they, or anything they're using them for?
0: You know, snares are indiscriminate. They'll, they'll, they'll catch whatever, whatever walks by. And so you're exactly right. They get lots of non-target stuff. So, um, you know, Africa is, is, um, Africa has very high densities of, of, um, ungulates, but everything really. And so, you know, that what they're mostly what snares are after they're going for meat. They want to they want to, um, you know, they want to catch wildebeest or zebra or whatever, and and use it for for bush meat. Um, but it, you know, they catch carnivores, they catch elephants. You see elephants with short trunks because mm. their trunk will get uh, caught in it. That's sad. yeah, it's it's awful. Really? It's awful. Yeah. So, um, uh, and and yeah, so it's a it's a brutal, awful way to to you know catch animals.
1: So when you're talking about using the. Uh, the the dogs to find the scatter, you guys are doing scat with the DNA. Mm-hmm. Where, where are the labs that you send this stuff to? Does it come back here?
0: Well, yeah, most of it happens here. Although, you know, now more and more of it is happening in the countries where those species are, but most of it, you know, happens here in the United States and it varies by species, you know, certain, they're often universities. So we do a lot of kit Fox work. Um, San Joaquin kit Fox is a little, uh, little fox in the Central Valley of California on the endangered species list. All those scats go to the Smithsonian, you know, and and it it, it just varies depending on who's who's working on that species. So some of it ha- stays here in Montana, you know, with the Forest Service, wherever the the lab is, you know, who's got the markers and all that stuff.
1: What what have you got the price point down to now on on a, a DNA <laughs> test? <On> a-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it it depends by it varies by species, but it's always coming down, which is great you know it depends what you want to know you want to know just species it can be you know depending on what it is it can be relatively cheap you know under 30 or 40 bucks but if you want to know which population they came from or you want to get hormones or anything like that then you're up you know 70 80 100 or more per per sample and so you know but but you know that's 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 a pretty good deal relative to having to catch an animal or even see them, you know So I should, I should tell you guys straight away, I'm, I'm an ecologist. I'm a, and I got into this work through the conservation side. So if, if you're looking for, you know, deep dog training and knowledge, you got the wrong guy. So By stabbing everybody on that stuff.
1: That's cool. Cause what we'll do with them, we'll, we'll ask you, how cool was that shit to see that dog find that stuff? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I love that. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) wonderful. But, um, but the you know the conservation side of this is it you know the 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 money the 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 cost of doing it keeps going down and down, but you know catching an animal it's incredibly expensive and it's risky, and you know I often tell the story, so we um we were working on pronghorn antelope um which are um um you know they're out here in the west, and there's a migration that comes down out of Teton Park down in a place called pinedale and and so we needed to know where they were going and mortality and all that sort of stuff, and it's it's super fun. You know, you get in a helicopter and a guy with a net gun catches them. You jump out, and you catch them, you put a GPS collar on them and all that. But we we put out about seventy radio collars in in thirty six hours. It cost us over two hundred thousand dollars, and and <laughs> and you know we got we got great data on seventy animals. You know, whereas you guys know how 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 quickly and easily dogs can find you know anything but scats yeah so you can get a lot more data Mm -hmm. a lot less expensively using dogs and so nowadays and and especially when the economy is down or when money's tight that's when people really want to use dogs
2: you know it's interesting you mentioned that because you know um you'd have to be living on not in the united states to know about everything that happened this summer and the current movement and there's um some stuff going on in the United States about getting rid of dogs and whatever else. And it's interesting because they're the only resource we have in law enforcement, conservation, search and rescue that has more than one purpose. And that is, uh, you know, recognized by courts and everything else. And you yep. I mean, they're just not going to go away. Like there's like, the sky is falling totally. and people are always there, but it's, they're not going away. The dogs are not going to go away uh drugs are not going to materially you know drugs are not going to overnight become legal well one might and mm. the rest of the other three are not though those are going to be illegal forever right. um and then you know there's never going to be a time where you can get tiger penis uh legally in the United States like right so or <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. i mean i, I said yeah. that once already but i don't <laughs> i mean i'm sure it's there's something there's you yeah. shouldn't have it but um so over yeah. so as you guys started you got 14 on the ground in africa now what breeds primarily are you guys using there
0: a lot of mouths in africa right now so yeah. um mouths shepherds um um a few mutts. um so we're a little bit different in that we rescue the dogs we we train and that came about for historical sort of reasons um which i'm sure you guys lived through as well which was after you know iraq and afghanistan and the shortage of detection dogs price went through the roof and we were a very small organization back then um and we didn't you know our budgets were very small and so we said you know um let's let's see if we can rescue a few of these dogs but and then also you know with eastern european breeders and a lot of them breeding every dog they can get their hands on and stuff like that um we didn't want to be part of you know we do a few dogs a year we're not like the military or or you know, police. So, so none of the big reputable vendors, they don't have time for a small organization like us. We had six active dogs when I started um, uh, eight years ago, we're 44 now over, you know, um, overall, but, um, but, you know, that's not, you know, relative to those military vendors who were doing 200 dogs or whatever. Right. We're not, you know, so we're not first in line for the, the good reputable sort of kennels. And at the same time, you know a lot of the dogs we select for ball drive toy drive and as we've gotten bigger we're able to be a lot more flexible in terms of things like you know nerve strength and obedience and impulse control and stuff like that because we've we've diversified the kind of work that we do so we do some discrimination work and some you know and and even through a dog's career as they get older we're able to keep dogs working until they're 13 we've got lots of dogs that have worked past their 13th birthday they're not doing big um you know, mountains and and wolverine work and or jumping over logs, they're doing flatland and discrimination and stuff like that. But as you guys know better than I do, those dogs are are they're good at problem solving. They're really experienced. Oh yeah. And so they're they're super valuable at that age. So you know it's it it has is, it is varied throughout. But for a while our most common uh dog in the kennel was a butt. Um, but I think we're now more mouths than, than, than mutts. Um, three of the four dogs that are in Serengeti are mouths. Um, we've got, let's see, two shepherds and, um, and two mutts in, in Zambia. Um, you know, it, it, it just varies. It's all over the world, depending on what they need and who's, who's doing what.
2: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, um, when we had on some search and rescue handlers, uh, well, we had, um, Jake on the search and rescue the avalanche guy. Um a friend of ours who was at hrd in salt lake city great dude um mm-hmm. you know he talked about you know different breeds working search and rescue work and non-normal stuff and we talked about it then and we can talk about it now too because i had a conversation with an department in kansas today um who was used to doing business one way and they can't do that mm-hmm. now most of it's because of COVID. but um you know about you know about the same time you guys got started we had a lot of problems in the united states getting access to quality dogs because we were fighting the south africans we're fighting the australians right or the Chinese, right. we're fighting Northern Europeans, we're fighting everybody for access to the same pool of dogs. Exactly. And police departments across the country, if you're an admin listening to this, if you haven't raised your prices since 2000, that's why you're getting shit. So, you know, everybody, like, I don't blame them. It's a business decision. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you expect? You're like, oh, our last dog. I'm like, yeah, he was 14 when he fucking died. And he was, Clinton was in office when you decided to get him. So like things have changed since then. So right, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's a similar deal. So, and, you know, when you start talking about Mount, are you guys doing single purpose work only, or do you have any apprehension dogs?
0: We don't do any apprehension.
2: Okay.
3: So, um, yeah just and, and
0: yeah just detection and tracking um so there's some interesting new technology that helps in Africa a lot and th- and that's really cool. The thing about you know the thing about apprehension in Africa in particular is and and this could change with the new technology, but historically, you know in Africa, what happens is somebody hears a shot in the middle of the night and then they go out and they try to find you know tracks or a carcass or whatever. And then they put the, you know, the dog out at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock in the morning, and then it's hotter than Hades and the dog is heat exhausted. And, and you right. know, and if you're lucky, the dog will track to the place where the where the poacher got in a vehicle and, and left. And so for a long time, we just said that's, you know, there are very few, you know, you meet a lot of, of ex-military and people in Africa who, you know, they'll train bite dogs and, and that dog might get two bites in its whole career, you know. Um, just because it's it's a it's a weird different game,
2: yeah. So, Especially on the conservation side, where you're at.
0: absolutely yeah. I think our world is a little bit is a little bit different, and and I should say there are two kinds of there are two kinds of, you know, landscapes in Africa, where you have rhinos and where you don't, and where you have rhinos, it's a war zone. I mean, and and, and 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 that's not hyperbole. It's it really is. Kruger National Park, you know, they are poachers shoot back at, at, at dogs or at people, they use helicopters. They're dropping dogs and Rangers out of helicopters. It's, it's, you know, full on sort of warfare. And then in the rest of the continent, particularly where you don't have, have rhinos, it's a much more um, it's much more like uh, game, you know, game work here. Um, arrests tend to be a pretty polite affair, right? So, our dogs and well l- let me back up there's there's this new there are these new cameras you guys know what game tra- game cams or trail cams oh, or yeah. camera traps are you know oh, yeah. i mean every deer hunter all over the exactly. country uses them yeah. and all that so there's a new for a long time these game cameras poachers would see them and they'd they you know they'd smash it or rip it out or take it or do whatever to it so they started making them um, and putting the guts of it underground and then just a, all that comes up is is a wire and the sensor um, the sensor and some of them have an infrared flash with it so they're very hard to see and um and and then they started building them with a so so the infrared flash you can't see the flash and it's taking pictures even in total darkness and so then they got the idea to well let's wire in a, a cell phone or a sat phone into this thing so that when it when it takes a picture it can send it to the the anti-poaching warden or the head of the dog unit or whoever which was pretty cool but this is africa so any on any given night you'll have 100 impala maybe you know baboons maybe elephants what everything's walking by that thing all night long very quickly those guys they turn off their phone they go to yeah
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so
0: enter enter uh 2017 we're taking four dogs to serengeti we get on the ground. It's a, you know, it's a logistical crazy to get four dogs, you know, down into Serengeti. We get them across, we get them flown in everything. And I walk into the mess in the, in the Grumetti reserve. And here is this guy that I used to work with, who literally is a rocket scientist. And I used to work with in New York and he's got this camera trap taken apart all over the table. And I say, Steve, what are you doing? And he looks at me and he says, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) So we get to talking. He's has installed has created an artificial intelligence uh chip. Intel made a very low power chip that they can put in a in these camera traps that will interpret the image. So it only it only emails when it sees a person.
3: Ah. So
0: they put them inside the reserve boundary where it's not legal to be on foot. And so every time it sees a person, it it texts the head of the anti poaching unit and the head of the dog unit. No, and shit. so yeah. So we had just trained <laughs> these four dogs on detection. And here we land on the ground and he tells me about these cameras and I look at 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 the the my colleagues who we were with who had just trained these dogs on detection and I said, What do you think about tracking?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we started the dogs on tracking. And now three of those four dogs are tracking dogs and the very they they started them on, they were just doing little short tracks, hundred hundred meter, you know straight fresh tracks and, and, you know, they were doing well and they got a call, the, the, you know, comes in one of the nights and they said, we've got somebody on the things. Can we take the dogs? And I said, Hey, up to you guys, you, you make the decision. And they said, well, let's try it. So two dogs went out on the track, long story short, 14 kilometers later, and they had traded off during the track. They did two handoffs during the track they captured six guys with with over 200 snares and 960 pounds of bushmeat. This was their shit. very first night out. So these new cameras, they're in development. Everybody, every anti-poaching unit in Africa wants them, but they're hugely valuable. And, you know, they're more valuable with dogs and the dogs are more valuable with these cameras because that's a slam dunk, you know. Yeah. If you or I goes out there, we can visually try to track in the middle of the night where there are uh, lions and leopards and stuff like that, but all the guys got to do is go down an aardvark hole or step in the bush or whatever, and we lose well,
2: them. And you but know, this it's interesting. In
0: a barrel for the dogs. It's interesting yeah. you say
2: that because you said a phrase that piqued my interest, and you said, "This is Africa." TIA. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my very good friends that lives here in Tulsa is actually a Russian immigrant, and he uh, works for a or runs an NGO um, that's involved in stopping human trafficking in um, Uganda. And it's one of the few NGOs that's not responsible for prevention or aftercare. They do direct action and they are paired with law enforcement and military while they're there. And the, a lot of the stories you're, you're, you're talking about the way that they combat things um, is very, very similar with how they catch these witch doctors. So like real short, what they do is they, they um, kidnap kids um, and they cut their heads, their hands and their feet and their genitals off um, as witch doctors to bless land and uh it's gnarly. And you know, we talk about the human trafficking and we think about it here as like, you know, like human trafficking for prostitution or whatever else. But there, I mean, it's right. a totally different deal. But um, it's right. a different setup for them because it's it's an actual law enforcement thing. But you know, that phrase, this is Africa, like even the Africans say it. They say like, oh, like you'll walk over, I mean, there'll be something dead laying in the streets, like, oh, this is Africa, and you're like, Well, oh, fuck. And it's the second largest. Yeah, we don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I mean they're like, oh, it's Africa. That, that's their excuse for everything. Um, and it's interesting you say that. You know, the other portion of your comment that was interesting, i um, talking about um, dudes tracking and you know going around and finding guys at night and how dogs. Um, tend to speed things up. Uh, One interview after this is a friend of mine, also from the same sheriff's office here that we're going to do. Mick Bonet is one of the best tracking guys in the country about finding human beings, not with a dog, but you know, you're right. Using a dog with technology is probably one of the fastest ways to hunt somebody down like in real time. And it's crazy. And I can't imagine like, you know, how valuable those cameras are for all over the all over all over the continent i mean that's insane that they're able to do that i mean especially yeah. in fucking in fucking africa i mean they don't have cell towers out there right? and so i mean it's not like they got the fucking internet web. they don't have it set up so that they can you know text so I, that's that's an inventive it's cool. uh that's it's really an inventive cool. solution to that so what mm-hmm. was so that night you guys had that fine so they had 900 snares and a shit ton of bush meat and everything else yeah. what was the reaction to uh the addition of the dogs i mean obviously it's like a make or break situation right they're like okay well these dogs are gonna track or they're not and all of a sudden they come up with you know fucking aces holy shit we need more dogs
0: yeah yeah so you know it it, it, i think it was awesome it's just great and when when my buddy steve was telling me about the these the cameras he's putting out um we went out he said yeah go try to find one and they took me and there's one installed right there. And I'm walking around and I'm looking for it, and you know I know it's there. I know it's there. And and Grant Burden, the guy who was our collaborator there, his phone's going ping, ping, ping. And I said, "What's going on?" He I'm says, "That's you, of you bro. <laughs> I'm getting pictures of you." Yeah. So I'm walking. Yeah. He's got all these funny pictures of me looking around, doing this, you know. And and you know you just roll the thing in in elephant dung or soil, you can't see it at all. So it's amazing, and that's really cool because. The poachers, the guys, as they enter the reserve, they don't know where they're getting picked up. They don't know where they're triggering the cameras. So, you know, oh, some of them, they, yeah. think they they think it's witchcraft. They think, who are these dogs? How oh yeah, Did they I know mean, that I was yeah. here.
2: They live a dog in mud huts. I mean, and
0: that's great. Yeah, and,
2: it's, <laughs> and
0: and it's fabulous. And you know, they
2: I would prefer they onto
0: it. Even if they know the cameras are there, they can't find them. They can't find them all, and there'll be lots of them there. But back to something earlier that you, you know you said. I always laugh because we, you know, you were talking about dogs being the the you know the most effective and the and the most flexible and all those things. I'm a hundred percent with you, and I always laugh because we, you know, we've got a little we've got dogs doing some disease work and even COVID now and and um, and all of that work and even the even the detection stuff. Everybody often they see what a dog can do, and then they say, "Well, now and now we're going to build a gadget that's going to do the same thing." And I always right. just laugh and I say, uh-huh. <laughs> "Why do you want to do that?" Because yeah, the gadget's sure. super expensive. You spend a ton of money to parameterize the thing, and whether it's a chemical signal or an infrared, you know, like clear oh, yeah. or any of that stuff. And I say, I, "I, I, and I have lots. I've made lots of bets, bottles of whiskey, for if you can get if if, if you can find more mountain lions or more." You know, zebra mussels or quagga mussels or whatever. Then my dog can. I'll buy you the nicest bottle of whiskey you can you can find, and and if you can switch to a new scent before the dogs can, you know, I'll I'll double it. And it just doesn't it just doesn't exist. But one it's funny our, people kind of think a gadget's uh, going to do it.
2: No, really one of our buddies um, is a uh, dog handler and a special forces or a special operations unit in the military. And, um, they obviously have air, air assets, um, that are real time and routinely he'll have satellite communications with these people. And they're like, somebody is, you know, right here, this far away. And he'll be like, look, I'm telling you the dog is, they sent, I sent the damn dog over there and there is not, there is fucking his exact words. It was like, there is fuck all over there. There is no, they're like, we just saw him. And his response is, I don't care. I'm telling you the dog was over there. And if he was there, he would have bit him. And there is nothing there. And when we were doing an HRD somewhere with a state agency, um, they were telling us about how a $15 million helicopter couldn't find somebody to bring the dog in. And 20 minutes later, they smoke a dude in the swamp. They've and they're like, Oh, him. we couldn't see him because he was covered in mud. And
1: I'm like, well, I mean,
2: yes, yeah. I don't know yeah, what to as, tell
1: you. Ask <laughs> yeah. the Pentagon how much money they've spent trying to come up with machines yeah. to do what the dog's do. Uh,
2: there was that article back, in the New York or something. something. It was like $1 billion. It was, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a shit ton of money. It was in the uh, yeah. Washington Post or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was it was a large number. So yeah, yeah you guys like, need
0: to buy for them those. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have colleagues who make the same T-shirts that say "Trust the nose." Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I you trust know. your dog. <laughs> yeah, and Eric and I yell at our handlers all the time. We're the yeah, when dogs do shit, yeah. that they're like, oh, I don't know why he's doing that. And
1: I'm like, well, right.
2: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I do scent <laughs> yeah. tracking. Exactly. So I got to.
1: Yeah. I got a couple of questions for you, real quick, before we sure. take our break, because I've got like, there's so much stuff we can get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we try not to do three hour podcasts, so we're, we're trying to cram <laughs> as much as we can. Until um, you're Joe
0: Rogan, then you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Joe Rogan. I am but, not. <laughs> nobody's looking
1: at the us two for three hours.
3: So I know.
1: Um, <laughs> when we're talking about the importance of getting to get that image at night and track with the dogs, especially at night, what's the temperature difference?
0: oh that's interesting um it's a visual image because it's in infrared so it it, the infrared flash so you're getting a visual it's interpreting a visual it's not a thermal signature Um, no i mean the difference
1: for the dog working what's the nighttime temperature in africa versus trying to track that dude at 10 o'clock in the morning
0: oh yeah it you know it's relatively it depends you Uh. know it varies from place to place but in, in a place like serengeti it's relatively dry environment. So it'll go down to the to the 60s or 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 low 70s at night. Perfect. Sometimes yeah. in the 50s, yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. It's, it it's actually a nice time to be working with the oh, dogs. Oh yeah. You know, you don't have the heat issues that you that you do during the day. But during the day, you know, it's tough. Oh, it's I tough. can't
1: imagine. They I mean even yeah. Ohio gets, you know, warm in the summer. We have a nice summer sure. where he's at in Tulsa's is a blast furnace in, in We call the, it Africa hot
0: yeah <laughs> so no. it gets fucking well, hot here <laughs> it's sticky wet hot yeah. Yeah, right. yeah
2: all right yeah tulsa is humid as shit yeah yeah we had i talked to some border patrol handlers too that are down there in el Paso and and the arizona border and they're like oh yeah the dogs will track in 125 degree heat and I'm like Ugh.
1: yeah for yeah. five minutes well yeah okay. and yeah. they're they, they're they're breathing beings but um so yeah. another question i have for you is where do the handlers <clears throat> come from Who who do we have handling the dogs
0: well, so, so that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. We originally, you know, back in the day, we used to do all these projects ourselves. So we would have our own handlers go out and do them. And, and, and that the snare project in Zambia in 2014 was the first time we, we pivoted. We started saying, we're going to build capacity because it was ridiculous. We, you know, we'd spend literally tens of thousands of dollars to get those dogs over there from here. And we said, they're here for five or six weeks law enforcement's 24/7 365 so you know it it's only a little bit more to build a kennel and have them here and do it all the time so we we recruited existing game scouts to mm, do it okay and, and uh. we start with a pool of about 20 20 guys and um and they narrow it down to um to you know 6 or 8 and I will tell you what this is not you know I'm not I'm not qualified to say this but the folks who've trained them and the folks who certify them, um, those guys are some of the best handlers that, that they've seen. Anywhere. I, I believe and that I they have I, self-selected and a lot of them, they don't have dog experience. You know, they, they're, they're a blank slate. So they didn't grow up, you know, with lots of strange ideas about dogs and how they work and how to treat them and all that stuff. And they're awesome. And they're, that's why they're, women are
2: so much you know, easier to teach how to shoot a gun. <laughs> That's true. I <laughs> right. don't shoot the messenger. Everybody, every mm. shooting instructor—that's not me. I don't teach people to shoot. I know how to, I don't right. do it. But that's the right. truth. I mean, because you yep. know, as kids, you know, those men were like, "Oh, bang, bang, bang," and we all have the fucking bad habits from the time that we're four years old. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Fucking yeah, shoot the fucking elbow out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so perfect.
1: that makes a hundred percent sense. My last question before the break is: okay. uh, I can't tell if it's a Ted's house or your house, but do I hear a dog behind you?
0: Do you Sorry. Yeah. There was no. one, and it no. Did they talk now. you into
1: a Malinois. <laughs> <laughs> Did they sucker you into no. that yet? No,
0: no, I don't have a Mal. No. I,
3: don't. Don't. I don't. I do have it. my don't.
0: own dogs. Are uh, uh, a bird dog. My dog, because um, I, you know, like I said, I'm not a handler, but I am a bird hunter. So I, I have a, a bird dog, a Griffon, and, um, and and we have a wiener dog in the house. So he's that's him. That was him. We can't. Right, we're gonna
1: hang up now. We're gonna
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I know, uh, but hey, I'll tell you what—he is as—he's 13 years old. He's kind of deaf, a little bit blind, but he's as driven as the bird dog. Yeah. All
1: right, that's awesome. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Don't
0: okay.
1: uh, don't scroll through the messages or through the uh, advertisers, guys. You're going to miss all the um, uh, discount codes and everything. For those of you on Patreon, they're going to get this commercial free. You're just going to have to put up with about five seconds of. Ted and I staring at each other like a bunch of weirdos. So. I got to put Easter eggs on this. and just doing weird shit. So
3: right.
1: I'll be right <laughs> back. All right, guys, one of our best sponsors, one of our oldest sponsors are the Perkinsons down in Harmony, North Carolina at Highland canine. We have a ton of people going down there for their handler schools, their trainer schools, their full on um, dog training schools where you learn police dogs, pet dogs, all aspects of it. They have amazing dogs for sale classes for police classes for police supervisors, pretty much a full gamut of anything you need in the dog world. Highland canine definitely is the place to go check it out uh, I, I can't tell you enough about how great these people are. Everybody I know that's been there for their training. Say it is no joke. Um, check them out. Tactical police canine training.com. Get your butt down there. North Carolina, man, and learn. Speaking of full service, it's no
2: secret that we love the guys up in Colorado Springs at Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. Their mission statement says it all: to be a world leader in the quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, ring sport, to exceed our customers' expectations, to deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full heartedly believe that they have that they are true to that statement, since it's our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine. They literally have everything there except the damn dog. You can get in the car, but they have inserts, they have hot poppers, they have e collars, they have leashes, they have regular collars, harnesses, they have muzzles, they have some of the working dog draggers muzzles that end up starting their life in my living room. So be sure to check them out, rayallen.com, and use the discount code workingdogradio written all the way out for 10% off.
1: We really are so lucky and happy to be partners with uh, the guys down at Kinetic Dog Food. Um, the stuff that those guys are doing, man, it, it's so good. The ingredients that they have, we had them on a podcast. Uh, it was eye-opening. Listen to them talk about, uh, the goofy stuff that goes into dog foods and, and in the business. They are honest. They're great people, kinetic dog food. Um, they will drop ship you a pallet. If that's your thing, if you got that many dogs, they'll drop ship you a pallet anywhere you need it. KineticDogFood.com, best in in the industry, and uh, definitely a personal favorite of Working Dog Radio. KineticDogFood.com.
2: Yeah, and if you're out on the east side of the country, uh, be sure to hit up Southern Coast Canine. They're a reputable canine kennel that does dog sales and training services, located in sunny New Smyrna, Florida southern coast Can provide services worldwide from purchasing your next single or dual purpose working dog to handler courses and seminars southern coast is a great resource to check them out you know the Heisers run a great ship down there and obviously the weather's nice so if you live in a part of the country where it sucks half the time the year weather wise that's where you go in the winter time that's how you get your admins send them down get to them get them to send you down there in, in the winter time when it's nice and sunny uh they do a fantastic job with trainers courses decoy schools uh, and handler courses for green dogs and finished dogs and retreads too. So be sure to hit them up at Southern Coast Canine, that's letter K number nine dot com, and get scheduled or go find you a dog.
1: Dogtra. Uh, we post on our social media all the time, Ted and I using Dogtra. Uh, I, I love everything about them. Uh, I think the Dogtra 1900S is the gold standard for police canine. Um, it is a perfect collar. The remote size is perfect. Um, you got the, You can do the um, hands-free device if you want. Uh, their ball popper, their Dogtra YS 600 bark collar. I've got a drawer full of those at the kennel. Um, I want my place nice and quiet. The uh, bark collars solve a lot of the thrashing in cars. If you got that dog that spins up at training in the back of the car, get yourself a Dogtra YS 600 collar. One of our biggest sponsors, one of our biggest friends, big supporters of the podcast, dogtra.com. Uh, They do have a discount code, too, for us. It's WDR10 for 10% off a single item over $200. Don't mess around. Don't wait. dogtra.com. All right, everybody. We are back. Working Dog Radio. Um, we are with our friend Pete Coppola Lilo.
0: I, Whatever. Either dude, way. I, he's I, I been totally. called
1: everything. Um, from working dogs for conservation uh I I love this episode already um there's just I, I there's so much I want to get into but um talk about when you're working with the handlers there what what's language barrier are you fluent you have to or they teach English in school over there how how does it go
0: Yeah so in Zambia they they um the handlers they we we and they work in English and and they're mostly um that's mostly it's fine. Every now and then you need a little bit of translation. Um, in Tanzania, it's a little different. Um, Tanzania, um, English isn't as prevalent. And so when we, when we did the first school there, um, and started with a group of 20 handlers and got it down to, to the, the, the four full-time handlers and two backup handlers. Um, I was there for the, for the, for the school. And I, I worked in, in East Africa for 17 years. So I was the translator. For it, and only the head of the unit speaks uh, fluent enough English to, um, to 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 sort of translate. Everybody else are um, are just Swahili speakers, and <clears throat> you know, in two thousand seven, Tanzania passed a law that made it possible for villages and village governments to designate their own game scouts, and you know, the logical the logical people to do that are the guys who were out poaching, you know, these are the guys who are comfortable in the bush and, um, and, and who, who know what poachers do, you know? So, and a lot of those guys don't have sec even secondary school, you know, high school education. So English is a bit of a barrier. So now, you know, we use a, we use a translator in, in Tanzania and, um, you know, like a lot of those, a lot of the guys, they're conversant in, in the English of handling um, but you know, as you guys know, it gets deeper and deeper and the more involved it gets, the more they, um, the more complex the, the conversation gets. So it's, a, um, it, it, there's always a translator on hand in Tanzania.
1: How many African cuss words do you know?
0: <laughs> Plenty.
1: Yeah, <I> <laughs> of course. Oh. Everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That some don't even some, translate. There some quite, there are some quite humorous ones that are kind nice words yeah there are a few good stories,
1: like yeah that. that's funny, yeah. so um, spinning back to dogs, you talk about now that you guys are made the decision to do everything over there. um are your trainers uh African guys? do you have Americans British Do you have a mixture who who's training the
0: dogs? well, no, primarily primarily, you know we still get the dogs here there there isn't a great source of dogs in Africa. You know, South Africa is breeding their own now, but there's a lot of demand for them down there, and there's a lot of capacity. And we say, "Do your thing down yeah. there." So it's more—it's still more efficient for us to source dogs here in this country, do the base training, get them trained up as a detection dog here, and then take them there. And then we spend about eight weeks on the ground, you know, making a transition. I'm sure this is something you guys have done over and over again, installing the dogs and getting the handlers. And now. Now the handlers in, in, in Africa are, are they're you know, they can add new scents. Um, they're really, they're, they're not really handlers anymore. They're trainers themselves. And so they're, they're, they're moving on in that, in that regard. Um, we're going to add two dogs to Zambia this year. Um, you know, we had one older dog um, who, who passed on and, and one, a, a shepherd who's developed some, some uh, leg problems. And so we'll replace him. And, you know, we'll, will those guys are, they're, they're, I mean, they're so dedicated and they're, they're into it. So, um, we work with, um, uh, ASCT, if you guys know Chris Acock and American Society of Canadian Trainers, and they, Chris was really flexible and he said, Hey, we'll, we'll help you develop a, a conservation certification. And, um, now there are more certified trainers in Africa than there are here in North America. Partly because, you know, partly because everybody's got, there's so many different certifications here that they're all, you know, every, every agency and police department has to do their own. But, um, those guys, they're, they're great and they're, they're, they take on more and more. And it's great for us to be able to, to help them, you know, originally they were, they were sort of, can we, can we do this at the very basic level? And now, um, it's really cool. To, to go back to Tanzania and to tell the guys, hey, you know, we work with all these state agencies and they, they're thrilled. They think you guys are doing great stuff. And you can see the guys say, really? You know, we're, like, we're, we're on par with, with that sort of international level. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's really great for their morale and their motivation and their desire to keep learning and, and all of that. So it's it's, it's, a, cool, it's a cool process.
2: So, uh, we talked about the one, like the first night they had like the 900 snare catch and whatever else. Are there any other situations where it was literally like a, holy shit, had the dog not been there, like dudes would have gotten away or you wouldn't have found something or that led to a significant direction change in an investigation or something like that?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that, that, that happens all the time, you know, because, um, you know, it's such a, um, well, Back to your earlier your point about human trafficking and all that stuff one of the one of the reasons that the u s government and others are are really um, uh more disposed to 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 supporting this kind of work is because a lot of the nasty you know the nasty folks who who are trafficking in drugs or ammunition or guns or whatever or even human trafficking I mean, you guys know this far better than I do because you law enforcement. You know, they don't do just one bad thing, right? They, no, they don't, no, whenever no. there's money to be made, they'll they'll mess with it, right?
2: No, shitheads are shitheads, no matter where you're at. So, well, <laughs> and, <laughs> right, and <laughs> and and
0: and, the, and 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 wildlife is in many countries considered a trifling or a you know a less severe crime. So it's an in, it's a it's a useful way. For intel to gain intelligence on, you know, a wildlife trafficking network may also be trafficking lots of other stuff. So right. it's a, it's a way for them to infiltrate those sorts of things. So that's you know that's part of the reason that that there the, are breakthroughs because you know they think well there's money to be made. Ivory. I'll do that for a little while. But you know we had a funny situation. Ruger was was um, was a dog that was rescued from the the, the Blackfeet Reservation here in in Montana. Um, he's a lab shepherd mix. Um, and he was, he was a tough, he was a tough dog. He was, um, you know, had an abusive early, early life and um, wouldn't let the vets get near him or anything. But, um, you know, he trained here in Montana, started to lose his, his, his vision. Uh, what is it called? Retinal, retinal myopathy. Is that what, yeah, the, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. what the, the labs get? And so starts to lose his vision and while he's training here in Montana. <clears> and I said ugh. to, Meg Parker. Well, let's find him a nice ranch to go to and live out the rest of his days. And she said, "Hey, you got to see this dog work." And I Hmm. said, "You got to be kidding me! You know, nobody can get the vets can't get close to this dog. He only lets one or two people handle him. You know, he's he's grumpy as hell. And and now he's losing his vision. You want to keep training him?" She said, "Yeah, let's keep training him." Said, "Okay." So she keeps training him, and he goes he goes to Zambia, and a lot of the young dogs, you know, the the, who are you know they're there are wildlife around, there are birds, there are all these different smells, and he, the, Ruger, he's just, he's just like, he's only business. He's just a machine, you know. Hmm. So he often he would work roadblocks, you know, and it's a very controlled environment, and he's doing the cars and everything, and he hits, you know the, you know the little buses they have there, like in, like in Latin America they call them the chicken buses. They're overloaded. Oh, yeah. They got lots of people in them and stuff and everything. Well, <clears throat> he's doing a, a roadblock and he comes around the 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 back of this of this uh little bus and it's got all the the door is open and and there's a there's rope and there's you know luggage and stuff tied on the back of this of this um little van little minivan and he alerts at the back so they say you know can we pull these things down they lay them out everything they they're looking they don't see any ivory they don't see rhino horn whatever but they're looking and and so they lay out the suitcases in the back. Meanwhile, all the people are off, you know, get off the van. 20 some people they are next to the side of the road. And it's like Africa. Any, anytime something weird starts to happen, people just come out of nowhere and everybody's watching. So there's a big gallery of people watching this. whole thing. This is Africa. <laughs> this is Africa. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the like excuse for everything.
0: <laughs> so they line up all the they line up all the, the suitcases. He alerts on a suitcase, just a regular old suitcase. Right. And the guys are thinking, oh, man. What's going on here? You know, is there food in there? Is this a false alert? What, you know, they're kind of, they're a little worried. So they open the suitcase. They pull out all the clothes. They, they can't find anything. So they, they lay the clothes out in a line. He alerts on a pair of pants. And the pair of pants in a pocket. No way. In a plastic bag. <laughs> no way. In a matchbox, inside wrapped in plastic inside this matchbox is a single primer cap for a muzzle loader. Wow. So, so, yeah, so all these people, the best part about this whole thing was there are all these people from the bus. They're watching this whole thing happen. And then the guy, you know, the guy whose suitcase and pants it was, comes right. off and, and runs for it. You know? Right. Well, and it's then, a,
2: yeah, it was well, on yeah. his pants. What the fuck you need? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the uh, number one excuse everybody uses. That's not on my pants. But what yeah. the fuck does he need a muzzle loader primer for?
0: Yeah, well exactly. Exactly. And you know, and these muzzle loaders, these are awful things. You know, they're made from the steering rod of a Land Rover and they'll put gravel and bits of rebar and stuff and they just and then they'll gut shoot an elephant and then track it for days until it finally dies and then they'll take the ivory, you know? So it's awful. Damn. It's an awful thing. So but the amazing thing about this was everybody watched it. Everybody was there on the side of the road. So for years after that, you could walk into a village in in southern Zambia and walk into a village, if you had a black dog, they would say, Is that Ruger? Really? <laughs> no <laughs> way. Everybody, everybody, everybody <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yes. So- <laughs> yeah the deterrence value was spectacular
2: it was just amazing. oh man and anytime uh, they bring a dog out like and you know i mean granted this is africa so not the united states but anytime they bring a dog out they're like oh shit and i mean like you said it's like witch doctor stuff like or it's you know it's magic they don't understand how it works so you know they think dogs do dog shit they just you know dogs do yeah. dog things so That's oh man That's right that is That's fantastic right. That is yeah, perfect. It was great.
0: <laughs> it
1: was great.
2: I mean, so, and
0: that's true. It, they believe it. And so it does work, you know,
1: we were just uh 10 hour we message in here on the thing. We we're talking about, um, working the dogs, like them sniffing the vehicles during the training, all that. What do they work for? Are they toy reward dogs or food or what do they get?
0: Toy, toy, toy. rewards. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, almost all toy rewards. Occasionally we use food right now. We're using food on some of the COVID dogs, um, because they're doing so many repeated, um,
3: yeah.
0: you know, things. And, uh, for reasons you guys understand far better than I do, you know, we select for super high drive and so you that toy comes out and the pupils dilate and they're mm-hmm. you know and if they're it, it, if that came out every time they alert on the scent wheel, they would it would just it's kind of game over, you know? Oh yeah. So the food rewards are a little lower level and they'll do it over and over again. Um so it's been really interesting to watch that process how everybody's adjusted to lots of repeated, you know Sort of episodes. But for the most part, we're we're toy rewards. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. So um the
2: separate episode is going to be called This Is Africa, but you guys <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a thing, right? Like, I it mean, is. like it's a cultural deal, like spanning the entire continent, like this is Africa. It's a it's a pervasive, like cultural, just I don't want to call it an indifference, but it's just fucking something about that place and i don't mean that in a derogatory way it's just like this is africa right yeah. so when you're talking about it you're saying you know like wildlife i mean most of the people over there like you know they grow up there obviously they're born they grow up there so like you know lions and tigers and shit are just they're not tigers but you know and elephants and water buffalo and whatever the big five that kill everybody i mean that's just like a, a fact of life there and so here you know like we don't deal with wildlife that really kills us in the united states not like australia or apparently not Africa. So, (laughs) you know, when we say like, this is Africa, it's kind of one of those deals that we kind of assume that those problems are isolated to that continent. And, you know, we're insulated here in our nice little, you know, democracy or somebody's going to correct me on that here in the United States. But um, you guys have dogs working in the United States. Also, you said, what, 31 states? So, well, so we don't have,
0: those aren't our dogs, but, right. but, um, but it's a cool story and you guys will probably, and and you should probably have somebody on from, um, from, from the, the CCOA, which is a new organization, which, um, which, uh, we helped start, but, um, there was, so we were working with, with the state of Washington, which Washington passed a, a law outlawing um trafficking of wildlife not just um domestic wildlife but also international and so we worked with the the Department of Fish and Wildlife there to help train a contraband dog who was who was doing um <clears throat> um uh trafficked species uh, you know elephant rhino horn um oh shark fins you know other s- stuff like that and um and the handler was uh, a detective named Lauren Went and she was working with um was uh uh, somebody named jeff milner from state of indiana who jeff has started and helped train a whole bunch of of state wildlife um agency you know canine programs and the observation that they made which is you know i'm sure you guys see this all the time is that the 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 dogs were these dog programs they were isolated you know they train a dog and then you get a handler and they're like just go do your dog thing, you know. And yeah. they were off by themselves, and so there oh, wasn't yeah. a professional <laughs> sort of network for them to interact. Oh, and she yeah. said, "Can we can we start bringing everybody together and talking about certification and and you know and even just the kind of stuff you guys talk about like case law and updates to laws and can we can we have an environment for that for for wildlife, you know, detection tracking and all that stuff?" And so we got the we did the original meeting uh, almost two years ago now with i think it was 19 states back then and um and so and now there are there are 31 states that have law enforcement um dog programs for wildlife so state agencies doing wildlife law enforcement and um and so they're they're all their own dogs these aren't our dogs at all but but what we do is we help convene the meeting we help them you know interact and and so it just became registered as a as a 501c6 of you know, a professional organization and like NACLAC and, and, you know, the other, the the, the associations that you guys um, sort of deal with and, and they will eventually think about certifications and, and, and those sorts of things. I think it would be super cool if we could get the CCOA is the Conservation Canine Officers Association. If we could get the U.S. CCOA um, to, you know, to create an international chapter. And then all the guys we work with, you know, we've got a network of 200 dogs and handlers in Africa um, and, um, and and a growing network in Asia and get all of those folks all working together. Because you know how it is, is as, as soon as they start to interact and they like and trust each other and they say, hey, this is what we're working on. What are you working on? What are you seeing? They start to share intelligence. They start to do other stuff. And then they're, they're like, you know, Hey, we're catching guys smuggling sacred Falcons, you know, have you guys trained on Falcons, you know, and stuff like that. And so it's really cool and it'll be neat to watch it as it, as it all evolves and grows. Cause man, there's a lot of trafficking going on, um, you know, even from here. And one of the things that, that I learned, I didn't know this is that, you know, we screen stuff coming into this country, but only the stuff that stays here. So oh, yeah, we don't look at anything's anything going out. No. So you know, bear <laughs> parts, turtles, ginseng. You wanna yep. you wanna ship stuff out? Go for it. Nobody's gonna inspect it. Um, Dudes will kill so, you over
1: ginseng.
2: i well, uh, Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Not out, out west, our out east, man, like West Virginia and Tennessee and Kentucky and shit. Yeah, they're super fucking. They are real it's valuable. Like real, real, real serious about that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So all of those things and a lot of it's just happening like um you know the head of law enforcement for the US Fish and Wildlife Service was a guy named William Woody a little while ago and he told a story about a something called totoaba. Totoaba is the swim bladder from a chub that lives in the Gulf of Mexico.
3: What's and a f- what's a chub? A chub it's I mean a, it's I like, know what it is but it's, it's a not, fish. Okay, yeah. it's a fish.
0: Okay. It's, <laughs> it's not fish. what it's a I big, was thinking. <laughs> big species <of laughs> yeah.
3: it's not, not more beer yeah. it's done a chubber. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah anyway so the 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 it is it is the closest relative to another species of fish that lives in in central china and that central chinese species was believed to be beneficial for pregnant women and pregnant women would eat the swim bladder from these these central chinese chub and and they were fished to commercial extinction and interestingly they were loaded with pollutants like mercury and stuff so it was really a bad idea for pregnant women to be ingesting that stuff but they started because they couldn't get them in china anymore they started getting them from elsewhere so they were getting them from the gulf of mexico and they were netting them and they were catching vaquita these little dolphins little little small species of dolphin that were Caught as bycatch, so not only were they fishing these totoaba to extinction, but they were also killing all sorts of 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 dolphins along with it. And the vaquita is almost extinct as well. So they catch this guy coming across the border with with these swim bladders, and they inspect it, and they're like, "What is this? I don't know." You know, they they knew it was something, but they didn't know what it was. So then they trail the guy, they follow him. He goes all the way up to Seattle, and they realize these swim bladders were selling for ten thousand dollars each. What the fuck? And he had over a million (laughs) dollars of swim bladders. Wow.
3: Holy shit.
0: And this trade had been going on for years before anybody knew it. And so the the crazy stuff that's used for medicine or food or flavoring or just prestige or whatever, who knows? You know, there's all sorts of crazy different species that are being used. And, you know, that's that's, that's a slam dunk. It's an easy one for a dog as long as we know to train a dog on it.
3: Yeah, but, I mean that's <laughs> that's crazy. But so much of it is
0: radar that we don't know. So here we this sit is with, all the stuff they're doing. with yeah.
2: COVID-19 with bat soup. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Totally. Totally. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so one of the uh, yeah. thing, one of the missions you
1: guys do that I want to talk about uh mm-hmm. since we've been talking about all the um wildlife crime and stuff that I'm fascinated by is the monitoring of elusive loose species. You want to talk about that and how sure. dogs play a role in that?
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of those species are carnivores, right? Because carnivores live at very low densities. Um, And um, and they you know, one of the ways they do that is by leaving little messages, either through urine or scat or sometimes scratches, sometimes other stuff. But for other carnivores and, um, you know, here we are, we live with these carnivores ourselves, you know, for 40,000 years or whatever, Mm -hmm. who are tuned into all of that stuff. Um, and so, um, the first monitoring projects were, um, here in our part of the world. I live here in Montana. It was in Montana and up in British Columbia, a place called the Okanagan, um, working on grizzly bears, you know, back when there were only a few hundred grizzly bears living in the lower 48. Um, and you know, a grizzly scat is big. It's a big pile. It's an easy, it's a slam dunk. I mean, it's an easy, uh, target for dogs They'll They, they detected it sometimes, you know, a hundred, meters or more. Um, and, um, so we started on that and, and then as we did more and more of that, we just got onto harder and harder species. So, you know, some of the, some of the, the most difficult ones are there's a lizard now that we work on a lot called a blunt nosed lizard, l- blunt nosed leopard lizard, um, that lives in Southern California. Their scats are like a little dry piece of rice. It looks shit. like, and detection distances for those are usually less than a meter. Right, so it's real, yeah. fine, detailed work, you know. Um, and, you know, all the way from that to Wolverines to Lynx. Um, and then we do a lot of, you know, anything that's hard to find or hard to discriminate, you know. Um, and and they're just, they're just really good at it, you know. You, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here. You guys know how that is. The challenge is to is to to find good samples to train them on oh, to yeah. ask the right questions and and then they they you know almost everything we've ever asked them to do they they have succeeded at.
1: So is the point of using them uh, to verify that there are those say uh, carnivores in that area, or because maybe you haven't seen one in a while, or what is the
3: point?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's that. Um so grizzly bears, for example, you know grizzlies they can be very shy as they move into a new area, so here in our part of the world, like I live in bozeman i 'm about an hour from Yellowstone Park, right, and grizzlies are now that population is recovering, and they 're just moving into this area and so almost always, almost always they 're here for a number of years before they get involved in a conflict event,
3: yeah. right,
0: and then they maul somebody or they get in somebody's garage or they do something.
3: And, and then, it's and a then there's a problem, exactly. <laughs> then and then you know,
0: like they say, exactly, <laughs> we had no idea, <laughs> exactly. And a, you know what they say, a fed bear is a dead bear, right? Because once they get started, they're going to die, you know, because because people won't tolerate, you know. right. So it's far easier to prevent that. And and so we've had dogs working in areas where um, we'll find the the manager, the land manager, will say there are no grizzly bears here, and we'll find scats from six or eight different individuals. Who are living in that area, and then they say, "Holy shit, you know maybe we should get rid of these guys." And we say, "Hold on, <laughs> you've got six bears living on your property, and they're not causing problems. Those bears are your best friend because they're mature bears who aren't causing problems, and the ones who cause problems tend to be juveniles and subordinates, and if you kill the mature territorial adults, then that's when the juveniles and the subordinates are going to come in and then they do stupid stuff like attack sheep or your dogs or breaking into houses or whatever. So
2: they're like human juveniles and adults. <laughs> <Non-adult>. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They do
2: stupid shit.
0: Exactly. Was, <laughs> they do stupid. Yeah. They're, they're good at stupid. So, you know, it, that's one application is helping people take preventive measures and say, you, do, you know, you're doing the right stuff, avoiding conflict. And then another one, for example, under the endangered species act, Right. There's something called section seven. so if you're going to disturb habitat for an endangered species, legally you have to monitor that population. Well some of those species are really hard to count and hard to monitor and you know so we work in the largest solar farm in the world. It's in Southern California um, working on kit fox, the species I mentioned earlier. they're very hard to count because they're shy they don't come to camera traps, they don't step on track plates. One of the other ways people do them is spotlighting at night. And and some species will look at a spotlight and other species won't. They're one of the ones they don't look at it. They see the light, they go, you know, they hide. And it's a scrubby, bushy environment. They're just incredibly hard to count. So, but, you know, they're all shitting, right? They're above, they come mm-hmm. above ground. And so you can find a lot of scats. And so we can count the population, identify individuals using the scats. And the cool thing about that story is they're doing great. A lot of people thought as soon as they start building, you know, the population is going to crash or they're going to leave or whatever. And they don't mind. They're in a burrow underground during the day. When the construction's happening, they come up at night, they hunt kangaroo rats, you know, they get a meal, they go back underground. So it's allowed that, that project to go forward. You know, it's a multi billion dollar project going forward because you can count those animals. So those are the kinds of elusive species kind of things we do. And, you know, we do snow leopard, we do. We've done tigers imagine. in Siberia, we've done lion, leopard, cheetah, wild dog, all sorts of stuff like that.
2: I would imagine that's pretty valuable to a developer in Southern California when totally. they say yeah. uh, when they say, Oh, we want to develop, it's a multi billion dollar deal, but we've got a bunch of cat dogs out here that we can't displace and we need right. to know how many there are. So Right. You know, I haven't I well not like special foxes. Yeah. We have a I have a fox family that lives like literally right behind me up on the hill. They yeah. Had, they had a little litter last, or whatever you call it. Like I don't know, kits. I don't know. There was a bunch kits, of yeah. like
1: baby. There yeah. was a bunch of baby foxes
2: running around the spring, and we'll have some more because I saw them the other day. That's so, awesome. Yeah, you'll know is, when
1: you get cool. coyote because those fox will no longer be there.
2: Yeah, we don't get coyotes right. here. This is the hood. Right. We don't have coyotes in the hood. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you get, and then like in
0: our part of the world, you get wolves, and the coyotes are out. So,
1: Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. So, um, yeah. Everyone knows that all you conservationist guys are millionaires, right? You exactly. Make millions, millions of dollars. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you are like
2: Patagonia, <laughs> right? Like right. Patagonia and fucking Arcterics and North Face. Right. I mean, you guys are all like bazillion dollar companies.
1: So um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: what,
1: what we have figured out through our travels around the country, when we ask uh, police dog handlers, how many of you guys listen to the podcast? And it's probably... In the group of people in our classes are usually 30, um, less than half, I'd say Ted, probably half, less eh, than half that. something like that. So we have 800,000 listeners in here and, wow. and less, more than half are not canine handlers. Right. But what we do have is some dog lovers and animal lover people. Right. And
3: and they're all generous. not from
1: the United States. They're, we have a large, a
3: yeah. oh, awesome. lot really, of people yeah.
1: overseas. Really, yeah. yeah.
3: Yes, so a lot. They're very, very cool. generous.
1: So when we get an organization like yours here, we want to definitely ask, how can these folks help you?
0: Yes. Oh, you rock. Thank you. Thank you
3: for asking <laughs> that question.
0: And well, I will tell you, well, yeah. two ways. Uh, uh, you know, it's always nonprofits, they always say, make a donation. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, we're you know, money goes a long way in Africa. It goes a long way in Asia. It's 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 great. So that that's awesome. Making a donation is great. And our website's wd4c.org. I don't know if you guys do that through Patreon or if that's all for you guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'll be that's fun. great. That's wonderful.
2: No, uh, it'll go in the show notes on iTunes and on Google Play too. So it'll go straight to people's phones.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. So you know, that's one way. And and it is you, you know, dogs are they are so cost effective, and they you can you can have a big impact. So that's really nice. But another way, and part of the other reason that I wanted to to join you guys is because you guys are plugged into the dog world. And one of the, you know, I say we rescue our dogs, but, you know, some of them, a lot of them come from shelters, which, you know, we don't, we don't rescue them. The shelter folks rescue them from whatever bad situation they might've been in or whatever. But another source of our dogs is before they go to the shelters, career change dogs. So we've got a number of dogs who were originally bred and trained to be bite dogs, but they just didn't, they just didn't have the enthusiasm, you know, to bite or, or, you know, we've got a, we had a FEMA dog who wouldn't, didn't, didn't want to walk on rubble. You know, she didn't like the concrete, uh, rubble, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Which, right. You know, that's a deal breaker if you're a FEMA dog for us, yeah. we can work around that. So one of the other ways is looking out for dogs, you know, and, and, good dogs that have great drive but they've got that one thing that doesn't work for their particular line of work you know either they don't want to bite or you know we got some cbp dogs who um you know customs and border protection they wouldn't they wouldn't pick up the pvc pipe you Mm -hmm. know they didn't like pvc the hard thing in their mouths so they they washed them out which you know if you're training 200 dogs and you want to give them to lots of different handlers you want them all to operate the same way maybe that's a deal breaker for you for us a smaller organization with 40 45 dogs we, we can work around that that's no big deal. So keeping an eye out for dogs and and screening dogs. We have a we, we we put our screening criteria out there, they're online, anybody can do it. Anybody can 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 find a dog and and let us know about it. That that's great cuz it works it works well for us cuz we get great dogs and it works well for the dogs and the shelters cuz as you guys know, a lot of the dogs that that folks like us are interested in these are not they don't belong in in families they don't belong in homes uh, and no. and you know <laughs> mals mals have become no. sexy now you know i had i have some oh. friends a, a friend who gave a a malinois puppy to his parents who were oh. seventy eight and eighty two? <laughs> Why? <laughs> needless to <laughs> Why say,
3: Why did you just give office, them COVID?
0: I don't
2: like <laughs> what the fuck, fuck man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah. God. So,
0: needless to say, that dog didn't last long in the household. You know. No and kidding. So stuff like that. You know, situations like that. We're keen to to take those dogs and and help them, and and we're looking for dogs right now because you know I need two more dogs for Zambia we're, you know, our our pack is sort of aging here in this country. So, that's another way to 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 be able to help out, you know, spread the word. We're a little organization. We're here in Montana. It's, you know, we're out in the sticks. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't know us. So, those are those are other ways to help. So, I appreciate you asking that question. Thank you.
1: When we're done with this episode, people talk, I have a dog for you in my kennel. Oh, um, do you really? Yeah, I just <laughs> I got him uh for dual purpose work. He's got all the hunt drives, everything I like. He's just wasn't about the bite life. Uh, you know, sometimes you yep. get a dog when they travel overseas. They kind of just, you know, it doesn't only really do it. Super sweet dog, real nice. Will work, you know, do all the yep. hunt stuff, but he's not about it. So we'll talk about it afterwards. My wife Perfect. would love it if I gave you that dog. I'm t- <laughs> Not because she doesn't like the dog, because yeah. she loves animals. She would love anything to do with any part of this.
0: Yeah. Well, be- you get to go on a road trip. Maybe come to Montana and see the facility. There
2: you go. All right. We're doing an HRD there. In oh, really? billing sometimes, yeah, summer, sometimes late, late, yeah. Ray texted us it's since I, yeah, that was one stipulation I had. I was like, I'm gonna go in the summer. Uh, I, I lived in Aspen for a while, and believe me, I do not want to go to Montana in the winter time I'm sure it's beautiful, I get it. I'll look yeah. at pictures, but well, it's colder, uh,
0: yeah.
2: it's colder, up here it's, colder. Was, yeah. it's colder. Um, yeah, we're doing Very an H R D up there. One of the guys cool. from Salt Lake, we were in Salt Lake City, and we had a handler from uh, a, a town in southern Montana. I remember which one it was, but it was at our H R D in Salt Lake City, and cool. they're bringing us out. in I want to say it's August. So,
0: cool. yeah, it's a great time. We're, and and I mean, don't it's worry in Buildings in August. Yeah. We will not yeah. say
1: how awesome Montana is. That's every podcast <laughs> of, of guys that <laughs> moved to Montana. The Montana people are like, shut up. Yeah, it sucks here. They're like here. moved to move to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Can't
0: hunt. Can't hunt. No good. Season. Idaho.
1: They can. Yeah. They can deal with it. Yeah. So yeah, the, go to Idaho. Who, yeah. Yeah. Or Utah. <laughs> give Utah, us your. Moved. uh, Give us the website again. Give us social media. How people can uh, check you guys out, man.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. Website is wd4c.org. Wd number four c.org, and social media is on Instagram or Working Dogs for Conservation. Facebook same you know facebook.com working dogs for conservation. Those are our big sort of outlets and and um and you know we're we're you know we're small we're we're only eleven uh people and we we train a lot of other people and everything and, and do everything almost everything we do is through partnerships. So it's great to connect with with um you know guys like you and all the people who, who, who listen to you guys because um you know you 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 can get tapped out very quickly trying to do everything ourselves. So really it, it, working in collaboration it, it really um, allows us to do a whole lot more. So it's great.
1: So on Instagram, working dogs for F O R
0: that's F O R. Yeah. Working dogs okay. for conservation dot. Yeah.
1: Eric,
2: I run out of follow it. there he
1: goes. Yeah. yeah. You can see it on there.
0: <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> yep. go. There you,
1: there
2: you go. Okay. That's
0: the guys. Yeah. And the Grimetti follow. guys, the Serengeti guys, I think were one of the last posts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And guys, they have 4,800 followers. That's ridiculous. Let's get them to five grand here real quick. Oh, uh, thank a, you. I'll share all this post yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll get all that stuff going, man. Awesome. I thank g- you guys. I got to tell you, this was awesome, dude. You, you should be yeah. doing podcasts if you don't.
0: Like, <laughs> you're <laughs> oh, good. Sure.
1: Like you're oh, really sure. good.
0: See, I've, 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 I've blown all my wad here. I've got all my good <laughs> stuff. I, I've used on you guys. There's nothing. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> you
2: have other stories. Come on. I uh, mean, you know,
0: some of them have been true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You no, can get on yeah. the Cleared
1: Hot podcast and talk no. to with uh, a boy in Montana for three hours. Andy. Yeah. yeah you know what Andy, you need you need Andy, to get Strunk, Jeff Milner
0: yeah. on here. Jeff Milner on here and get him to to sniff quarters. He sniff <laughs> He sniffs quarters. He does this thing where he will he'll sniff the last he'll leave the room and then you, he says, touch touch any all four of them, touch all of them. Oh yeah but the la- I'll I'll tell you the last one you touched. Oh really? Yeah, that guy's taken a lot of money from gangers yeah. all <laughs> over the
1: country.
0: So you get him on, and then you can trick. have him. So like, yeah, we'll do it on video.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. millionaire from quarters. Yeah, yeah.
2: So there you
0: go. So okay. sure. it's a lot of quarters to get there. Yeah. So how
1: about you, Ted? Where can you be found?
2: Uh, k 9 letter K, number nine, on Instagram. Ted underscore Summers on Instagram, and of course on. Uh, Facebook, uh, Torchlight Canine uh, with one word. So Torchlight, not spaced out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Of course, we have Working Dog Radio. So Working underscore dog underscore radio on Instagram. Also, uh, same spelling on Facebook. What about you?
1: Uh, we're at HRD Police Canine. Um, oh, that one too, and, yeah. and again, I'm always fascinated by this. My, so my Instagram is Vaness 9 V-A-N-E-S-S letter K number nine. Vaness K9. And I'm floored by how many people follow the podcast and don't follow Ted I's Instagram accounts. I'm exactly. It's so funny. Uh, we, they must, Hey, we like you guys just not individually. So, uh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I
2: get it. I like the, oh, and, the yeah. and the YouTube. I mean, now we're recording. So this oh, is yeah, man. the fourth episode, Please. right? So go to YouTube, like, and subscribe, click the subscribe button and then click a the little bell next to it. So it pings your phone when we upload the new video, um, so these are edited and stuff. So, um, yeah, we're moving into that platform, uh, cool. here quickly. So yeah, we put well, some clips we'll push up. It out
0: and share, yeah. we'll share with, you know, with our little yeah. network too, cause, um, we're grateful. Thank you guys you, for doing this. Yeah.
1: Pete, yeah. you guys are awesome, man. I, I, uh, hopefully maybe we can talk again
0: and, yeah. um, well, let when's me know, your next trip I'll- out? Well, you know, it all depends on COVID, but, mm-hmm. um, but we just had, we just got two handlers over to Serengeti and back our trainers. And so, you know, it's starting to open up. So cool. Yeah. Good. It yeah. should.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And let's be in touch about that important.
1: dog. Oh yeah. Uh, uh yeah, yeah, As soon as yeah, we're done yeah. recording, you and I will talk about cool. it here real quick. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Excellent. Thank so appreciate it. Uh,
1: yeah, it's
2: been an awesome episode. Next one, we got two good ones coming up uh, down the pipe for everyone. Uh, my buddy Mick Bonet, Uh, from the Tulsa County Sheriff's Office is a uh, man Man tracking, yeah, like a human tracking ninja. Um, Never handled a dog, but he can probably (laughs) give you a run for your money with your dog. And then um, we're doing somebody from Customs and Border that is one of their tracking and kind of trainer guys. That's going to be a really good episode. So we've got some stuff lined up to finish out the year and start out 2021, hopefully not to be a dumpster fire. So, uh, I'm super excited, but man, Pete, I appreciate it. This has been a great episode. Uh, I think everybody's going to love it. So everybody hit them up. WD4C.org. Uh, and if you have dogs that have washed
3: from a dual purpose program and you need some more for them to go, let them know. Reach out. You Thank you guys. Thanks guys. Right. Perfect. You got it. You got Ted. it. Because you're going right. to say it. Oh, I'm doing the intro. Okay, cool. I can do it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, So, we ready? Let's count to five and be quiet and stare at each other like weirdos, and then I'll start. Okay. All right. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. Uh, I am. We Tim's wanted daughter. to do one of these forever, and finding somebody that can talk about this stuff one intelligently and two, kind of give us some info. Um, has been, and we might have
3: just lost him. Hey, Brian, <laughs> where'd he go? Is it Zoom? You see that? Look at that. What the no, fuck is that? You. That's I'm gotta be in something. China. You gotta be. That's gotta be fucking China. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let the people, do- it. yeah. It's the steepest section of the Great Wall of China. Look at that shit. Nope. That's a whole lot of nope right there. Nope. Somebody that's been with us since the
2: beginning of this entire program has been Arno from ALM Equipment out in Vegas. Arno does a fantastic job making suits, tugs, and sleeves. Uh, one of our favorite things that we use at every HRD is the hidden sleeve from Arno. And I've got multiple suits and so does Travis. We use them with the kennel all the time. ALMK9equipment.com is where you can find it. Be sure to use the discount code WDRadio for 10% off your first order.
1: Tripwire Operations Group, man. What a great group of guys. It's an internationally recognized leading provider of product services and training for federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies and military units. Tripwire Operations Group is an ATF-licensed explosive materials manufacturer, importer, exporter, and dealer with a wide range of explosive products to offer, including custom kits. These kits are great for detection canine imprinting, and they have three different kits to choose from. The use of all three kits combined creates a complete explosive threat package for canine teams. Be sure to check them out. If you go there to pick up your explosives, they will let you blow some crap up. Check them out at tripwireops.org.
2: Lastly, this music that you hear uh, has been graciously granted to be used by us by Brother Deeg. He's a fantastic artist out of Louisiana. A uh, guy does a magnificent job. He's been through Tulsa a couple of times and I've seen him live. Be sure to hit him up at brotherdeeg.net, D-E-G-E dot uh, or go to Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever and download and buy CDs. Be sure to hit him up, buy some shirts support the guy the guy does a fantastic job and uh he's a privateer, kind of like we are so brotherdeeg.net d-e-g-e hit him up this episode and this entire series and this podcast is co-produced and co-owned by alicia brandt
3: you got your reasons i got my wants still got that feeling but i'm too old